Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I am your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 2, Episode 324 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you again for joining us as we continue with our study of the Come and Follow Me materials in November the 16th to November the 22nd, Ether 6 to 11, that evil may be done away. And today we're diving into Ether chapter 7 to 11, Righteous Leaders Bless the People They Lead. So we're going to have a quick rush through today uh, with a number of different leaders. Uh, we're not going to necessarily talk in detail about all of them, um, but um, what we can see with these um, Jaredites is that, for example, Oriha begins leading and he was righteous. He had 31 children, which is incredible. And then he has Kib. And Kib, we we presume, uh, leads in righteousness. Uh, but then uh, he has a son called Corihor, who basically takes over the kingdom. Uh, and he drew many people away and then he gathers an army in verse five so it's pretty much you've got Oriha, who's the son of jared uh and then we've got kib and then we've got Koryahor who begins to lead the people away so you know we've got the great grandson i think of jared of jared and straight away uh you know the things that the brother of jared said uh come to pass in verse five it says and when he had gathered together an army he came up in unto the land of moron where the king dwelt and took him captive, which brought to pass the saying of the brother of Jared that they would be brought into captivity. So it's not taking too long. Andrew Skinner said this, quote, Oriha is a perfect example of the Lord's teachings on righteous kingship as presented by Mosiah. If just leaders could always be chosen, then a kingship would be an expedient form of government. However, not all leaders are just, and it therefore usually not expedient to have kings rule. Clearly, the brother of Jared well understood the, the Lord's teachings regarding kinship, kingship, for it was not long after the reign of Orihar that his prophetic words were fulfilled when Orihar's successor was brought into captivity. Close quote. So we know that Kib, um, who's the rightful king, is brought into captivity and he's kept there until an old age, but he still has another child, at least one other child called Shul, um, and, you know, when you're reading that, you kind of think, well, hang on, if a king is in, you know, captivity, you know, he's locked up, how is he having children still? But actually, it turns out that this is a pretty usual occurrence uh, in in ancient Asiatic um, like systems. Hugh Nibley explained, quote, such is the practice mentioned many times in the book of keeping a kin king prisoner throughout his entire lifetime, allowing him to beget and raise a family in captivity, even though the sons thus brought up would all be almost sure to seek vengeance for their parents and power for themselves upon coming of age. It seems to us a perfectly ridiculous system, yet it is in accordance with the immemorial Asiatic usage, close quote. So again, you know, this is an example of how things worked uh, in that time. It would usually happen. And so, yes, indeed, Shul becomes angry with angry with his brother. Um, he gives battle to Korihor uh, and he wins. And then he begins to reign in righteousness. And even Korihor repents of his evil and starts to lead a life of righteousness. But then the son of, son of Korihor was Noah and Noah rebels against the king and against his father, draws away a bunch of people and they have battle again. Uh, and we just see this, this completely chaotic system unfold as king is, you know, king rules and then someone rebels against them. And then, I mean, this one, Noah, rebelled against not only his uncle, who was the father, but also uh, who was his, who was the king, but also his father, who 
was the king, but then had repented of that and was reigning with power in righteousness in that land as well. It's just a complete mess. Uh, and, you know, it makes sense that in verse 20, it says, and the country was divided and there were two kingdoms, the kingdom of Shul and the kingdom of Kohor, the son of Noah. So we know that Kohor, uh, who was the son of Noah now, um, does the same thing as his father. And then he give battle and then they, you know, they lose and all these things like that. But then um, whilst Shul was reigning, they, they became prophets. And this is particularly interesting, I think, to see what happens when there is a righteous leader. Uh, in verse 24, it says of Ether 7, and it came to pass that the people did revile against the prophets and did mock them. And it came to pass that King Shul did execute judgment against all those who did revile against the prophets. And he did execute a law throughout the land, which gave power unto the prophets that they would, should go whithersoever they would. And by this cause, the people were brought unto repentance. We have seen previously in the Book of Mormon what happens when there is a wicked people led by a wicked king, King Noah, when Abinadi was, was killed. You know, prophets were destroyed. Yet this people seemingly, seemingly were wicked. They mocked the prophets, but the king was righteous. And this is what happens when a leader is righteous and follows the commandments of God and has people's interests before their own. He executes a law to protect the prophets. And this also happens in the Lamanites uh, when Ammon and his brethren go. I mean, they were not necessarily prophets. They were more missionaries. But the king of the Lamanites, once he was converted, set, sent a proclamation out, meaning that they could go and teach the people. And many thousands are converted. Um, Brian R. Merrill says this, quote, Among the Jaredites, the people were brought unto repentance when the king protected the prophets. In contrast, when a later king did not protect the prophets, the people hardened their hearts and did reject all the words of the prophets, with the result that the spirits of the Lord had ceased striving with them, and Satan had full power over the hearts of the people. They then reached the fullness of iniquity, which brought down upon them the fullness of the wrath of God. Close quote. So as he says there, it's when the prophets are protected and encouraged by the leader of the people that we see that um, good things happened. So Shul was a righteous leader. But then we get to chapter eight. And of course, all, all kings passed away eventually. He begats Omer and Omer reigns. And then Omer begats Jared. And Jared rebels against his father, Omer, <laughs> and tries to flatter many people, tries to gain half the kingdom, um, gives battle. And then he carried away his father, Omer, um, and he has children, Ezra and Coriantuma, and they're angry with Jared, their brother, who is now the king. And so, so we see here again, you know, this king having children in captivity and then having children and they rising up against their, their brother. Um, so they take an army, they slay the army of Jared, they're about to slay him, but they don't. And he's very sad because he doesn't, doesn't have the kingdom. And this is actually interesting, this, because Jared is a, in a very similar situation to the previous king that was ruling, whose name I've already forgotten now. Um, so I'm just going to have to go back and have a look at that. Corihor. So Corihor um, is in the, the same, well, I should say Jared is in the, in the very same situation of Corihor. He was ruling. He took the kingdom from his father. He ruled for a while. Then the children of his father, his brothers basically, take the kingdom back. Um, now, Corihor repented of his evil. And therefore, interestingly, in verse... Um, Oh, I should have marked that as well. Oh, in verse 13, it says, And Coriohor repented of, this is chapter 7, And Coriohor repented of the many evils which he had done, wherefore Shul gave him power in his kingdom. 
So he was righteous, he repented, you know, he had done horrible things, but he repented of them, and he was given a position of great power. Jared, on the other hand, going back to the present where we're up to now in chapter 8, is sorrowful, and he basically is mournful of the fact that he's lost the kingdom. And so his daughter, being very expert, it says, now if, if in the scriptures it says the daughter of Jared being exceedingly expert, and then talked about um, what she's about to do, it makes you wonder what she was expert in. But um, she devises a plan uh, where she can get the kingdom back for her father. So she says to him, um, have you not read the records from our fathers that we brought across in the great deep? So it seems that they have brought forth scriptures or records, at least from the, the old world. Behold, is there not an account concerning them of old that, by, that they by their secret plans did obtain kingdoms and great glory? Um, so they send for Akish um, and she will dance before him and please him. Uh, and then basically he's, he, Jared asks, uh, says to Akish, if you want my, my daughter, then bring me the head of your, her father, the king. Um, so they then swear to each other that they will do that and they agree. And then this is basically, we're getting to secret combination stuff. In verse 18, in fact, it says, and it came to pass that they formed a secret combination, even as they of old, which combination is most abominable and wicked above all in the sight of God. Um, now, this is a very pivotal moment because it is at that point that Moroni interjects into the narrative. And he says in Ether 8, verse 20 and 21, And now I, Moroni, do not write the manner of those and combinations, for it hath been made known unto me that they are had among all people, and they are had among the Lamanites. And they have caused the destruction of this people of whom I am speaking, and also this, the destruction of the people of Nephi. Now, up to this point, we've seen some horrible stuff. We've seen kings rising up against, uh, you know, kings have being risen up against by their children. We've seen, you know, brothers being in battle with each other. We've seen brothers trying to kill uncles, and we've had all sorts. But it's only, and we've seen the people rejecting the prophets, and only because of a righteous king listening to them. But it's at this stage that Moroni says, this is the cause of the destruction of the Jaredites and also my people. It's when secret combinations are brought into the people. Ezra Taft Benson said, quote, Moroni could have pointed out many factors that led to the destruction of the people. But notice how he singled out the secret combinations, just as the church today could point out many threats to peace, prosperity and the spread of God's work. But it has singled out the greatest threat as the godless conspiracy. This scripture should alert us to what is ahead unless we repent, close quote. We'll continue with that tomorrow to find out how the secret combinations have an impact on this nation and how indeed it leads to their destruction. Thank you very much for listening today. Hope you've enjoyed the study. Please follow the podcast on Facebook. You just search Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. And you can also email session at gmail.com if you have any feedback or if you'd like to join in a future podcast episode yourself. Thank you for your time and until we meet again.